Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. So the pastor decided he needed to do something a little different this particular Sunday morning. So he said, today I'm going to say a single word and you're all going to help me preach. Whatever single word I say, I just want you to sing whatever hymn song that comes to your mind. The pastor then shouted cross. Immediately the congregation started singing the old rugged cross. Then he shouted grace and they all started singing amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Then he said power. And they started singing, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Then he yelled, sex. A hush fell across the crowd. In fact, everyone was shocked and began to look around wondering who in the world might even start singing to that. Suddenly, from the back of a church, a little old gray-haired lady, 87 years of age, started to sing, precious memories, how they linger. (laughs) (laughs) Ephesians 1, I'd like you to go to Ephesians 1. In a moment, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. As you go there, Last week, if you're a guest, we want to say welcome, but we started a brand new series entitled Forever and a Lifetime, which was really God's design for marriage. Forever and a lifetime. In fact, marriage was inaugurated by God before sin ever entered the world. It's something very dear to the heart of God, two people coming together and becoming one unit And I say this to say that if you're in this room saying, you know, when we do a series like this, I just again want to speak into if you're thinking, but I'm not married. Well, then you need to meet Jesus because that's the greatest marriage of all, my friends. You see, the greatest husband is Christ himself, of which the church is the bride of Christ In fact, if you read Ephesians chapter 5, Paul speaks in to husbands and wives. But as he's doing it, he says, listen, but I'm not talking about the human institution. I'm talking about the church itself. See, if you're sitting here right now saying, maybe I don't have a physical spouse. Well, let me tell you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're married to the greatest of husbands that has ever been and ever will be. You're married. So whatever we're speaking, when we're speaking into this institution, this side of heaven, everything that we're teaching is so good for your soul in your relationship with Christ. So if you know Christ, you're married. And what a great, great marriage that is, right? What a great marriage that is. Now, I want to say this before we read, that in all of my years of ministry, if there's one thing I've seen over and over and again and again, is how many marriages, so many marriages, and I don't say this with any disrespect, just don't get it. 
They just don't. And probably why they never experienced what God had purposed and planned and intended in the first place. Because they get lost in the moment and they forget the incredible breath of it. They see their problems and their circumstances and fail to understand that maybe those things are actually God endowed and allowed for something bigger than you could ever fathom. And they get lost rather than found in this beautiful thing called marriage. This unbelievable thing called marriage. See, I want you to think about it for a moment. If God, if marriage is a God thing, think about that, which I contend it is. It was God who inscribed it, which I'll just simply say this, a piece of paper at the courthouse doesn't make you married, people. It doesn't make you married. Marriage is a God thing. It requires God's word, God's authority. And so you might get a few tax breaks, but if you want the fullness of it, then you've got to go to the author of it. And so if God created marriage for us to experience the fullness of who he is, think about that for a moment. Imagine what God has for your marriage and how few people ever get to experience it because they fail to start with the author in the first place. Marriage is an amazing, unbelievable gift of God. That's why I say so few ever really get it because they get lost in it and fail to understand the gift of it. So I say that to say this, whether you're married or not, have a spouse or not in the physical sense, I wanna give you three common, if you will, three common stress points that every relationship will experience. Now let me say that so you get it clear. If you're in a relationship, whether married or friendship, you will experience these three stress points. And here they are, unexpected differences, unmet needs, and unforgiven mistakes. You will face those. Those unexpected differences, unmet needs, and unforgiven mistakes. If you wanna experience what God has for you, then how you face these and understand these are essential to the fullness that God has for you. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to look at Ephesians chapter one. I'm gonna begin in the 19th verse. And I wanna remind you again, the word of God is my authority. You're gonna to have to decide what is. There's Yahweh or your way. I've chosen Yahweh. I can't help you if God's word is not your authority, but you do have one. You do have one. Everybody has one. I've just chosen mine so I can only teach and preach out of that respect. Does that make sense? So here's what the word of God says. Paul writing. I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's what? power. God's what? This is Paul's prayer. I pray that you will understand, you will grasp, you will get the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. It requires a belief. 
Now watch this. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. I say that to say this. This morning, people, here's the good news. The power that raised Jesus Christ that we celebrate at Easter is available to you right now, whatever you're facing in your life. That power is available. If God can do that to Jesus, he can do the same with your relationships. Bottom line. But you got to choose it. You got to choose it. That's why Paul said, this is my prayer. This is my prayer that you would grasp this. Verse 21, now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. His bride. His bride. And how many people get lost in the church, want to personalize salvation and miss the point of the public good of what it means to be a part of the church? Jesus loves his wife. He loves his church. That's why I say all the time, little caveat, be careful how you talk about any other church. Because you think you're protective of your bride. You better, you better understand how protective he is of his that's why it hurts my heart when people say, well, I don't need the church, really? You don't need what God set up, really? You ain't got a clue what you're talking about, people. You don't get to pick and choose what he died for, his bride. Just because you've been hurt by someone who might go to that church or this church or that church, you've yet to meet the bride because his bride is glorious. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's a beautiful thing. And this is what he's talking about. God has put all things under the authority of Christ, who has made him head over all things for the benefit of his bride. And this bride is his body, the church. It is made full and complete by Christ. That's why we said no one can complete you but Christ. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with Himself. Now, if he'll do this for his bride, imagine what he will do for your marriage, your bride, your husband. It's to that that I want to speak. So if you have your notes, take them out because I want to consider each one of these stress points and help you understand the incredible gift that God has given us that we have access to if we so choose. Here's the first. In those unexpected differences, God will give us the power to fathom our spouse's differences. Let me say it again. In those unexpected differences, because they're going to exist, God will give us the power to fathom our spouse's differences. I chose the word fathom for this reason, because here's what it means. To understand the depth of something. God wants us to understand the depth of our spouse's differences, not resist them, not push them away, not push them down, but there is a depth to them. And God wants you to grasp me. And by what? Trust me. If you haven't figured out your spouse has differences, 
Have you not got that yet? God endowed differences. Maybe you've said these words. I just don't understand him. I don't get her. I can't figure him out. I don't know why she acts that way. Everybody look up here. Welcome to the club. <laughs> the Bible agrees. Paul actually wrote, no one can really know what anyone else is thinking. They're different. Before Kay and I got married, I, I don't know if it was like this for you, but before we got married, all we could see was how alike we were. The day after the wedding, dear Lord. Anybody relate? Oh, come on, I'm alone. I, I, I'm committed to believe this is God's sense of humor. Like God just loves it. He puts two people that are so unlike together. And then he sits back and just watches the sparks fly. It's like his great fireworks, you know what I mean? I, I just do. And in fact, let's just, let's just play a little game. Can we do that? It's a game I like to call, who is it? Now you're welcome to put your hand up and all of that and speaking to the married couples, but here we go. One of you is an early riser. Okay. The other's a night owl. One of you is daring and impulsive. Come on, all right. The other is cautious and reserved, all right. One of you says, I play by the rules, okay. The other says, rules? <laughs> One of you likes your underwear all over the floor. One of you says, they're always supposed to be in the drawer. One of you loves to talk. The other. <laughs> One of you loves to spend money. One of you is the tightwad. One of you loves to cuddle. Okay. One of you is a porcupine. When it comes to sex, one of you is a firecracker. <laughs> one of you's a dud, okay? <laughs> one of you's like, drop everything. The other one's like, drop dead, you know? <laughs> it's, it's like the guy who went home and he handed his wife two aspirins and she's like, what's that for? He's like, for your headache. She goes, I don't have one. He goes, gotcha. <laughs> I, I, you know, one of my favorite stories, it's not in my notes, but one of my favorite stories, actually Reed told it to me. I, I remember when he told me, I, I almost felt like we needed to pull the car over. I was laughing so hard. It was a men's conference where they were talking about intimacy, trying to help grow their marriage. So all men were there. And the speaker said, listen, I just want to take a quick poll. He said, how many of you have sex once, twice, maybe three times a week? Boatloads of men. I mean, they jumped out of their chairs. Whoa, yeah, man. 
you know, a few people didn't and they're a little sheepish. And then he said, now listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, pull anybody out or make them look bad, but how many, maybe once a month, a few hands went up. It's kind of quiet. He said, anybody here like longer than that? I mean, maybe it's been a long time. One dude in the back jumped up and went, he just started screaming and hollering and hooting. And they were like, people were just like, wow, cannot believe he's doing that. Kind of brought it down a little bit. And the speaker said, you got to help me with this. He said, once like a year. Yeah! He's so excited. He said, why are you so excited? Tonight's the night! You know? <laughs> Folks, we're different. Look at someone right now and say, we're different. When's the last time you just said that? We're different. Like unbelievably different. Like created hundreds and thousands of ways different. I mean, biologically, we all know that every cell in a man's body is different to every cell in a woman's body. Hence, X chromosome. Why did I marry you chromosome? No, you know, I mean, we're different. Did you know that women mature faster? Come on, ladies. Have you noticed that some men never mature at all? Okay. Folks, listen to this. We think different. And that's a problem because men assume that women think like them. Problem. And women tend to think that men should think like them, (laughs) different. And then we all know there's a lot that just don't think at all, right? But here's the deal. What a man says tends to reflect what he thinks. What a woman says tends to reflect what she feels. Different. We're just different. But here's the deal. None of these differences are wrong. They're just different. But therein lies the problem. We tend to see the difference, and here's the hypocrisy of it. Because truly, it's part of what attracted us to the other person, whether conscious or not. I tend to be, if you will, excited, passionate. I'm very intense. Kay is just the opposite. It's one of those things that just drew me to her, was this simple, just quiet spirit about her. But then here's what happens. We get married and then I try to change her the way I think she should be. Which is the reason why this happens. Watch this, don't miss this. The reason why this happened is because God made her the way he wanted her. You ready for this? The problem is, is I'm not battling her. I'm battling God. Because he's like, why are you trying to change what I made so good? Who are you? And that gets us in trouble. Instead of realizing the differences are the most profound thing. That's why the first foundation is that we need to fathom God's depth of our spouse's differences. That by fathoming, by understanding the depth, we find this more rather than this more. And we start leaning, not on our own understanding, but in all our ways, acknowledging him by embracing her, embracing 
him. And now the two come together and they make one beautiful unit. In fact, I want you to look at the screen and I want you to read with me from Proverbs 24, three, read it with me. Homes are built on the foundation of wisdom and understanding. Please hear this. Wisdom requires an authority bigger than us. Wisdom requires, this is why we need to be in the word of God, because it's God's instruction manual for my wife. And the more that I'm in the word of God, the more I understand who created her and why he created her and how much I need her and she needs me. Does that make sense? Homes are built on that wisdom. We need to be in it. And the more I read the word of God, the more I understand K, God's K. See, catch this, folks. She's first God's daughter before she became my wife. Better to go to her daddy before this daddy. Are you with me? What I'm discovering is when I first go to her daddy, the less I care about this one. He made her. So in the moments of those un Okay, those unexpected differences, God will give us the power. He will give us the power. That's why James says, if you lack wisdom, just ask God. He'll give it to you generously. That's what it says in the book of James. Just ask God. And that's what I do because he loves her more than I do. And it was he that brought us together. Here's number two. In the waves of those unfulfilled needs, and they come in waves. God will give us the power to fulfill our spouse's needs because God wants us to do that. You know, I read this week about a couple who were seeing a marriage counselor. They were having marital problems. The wife refused to talk to her husband week after week. The counselor tried everything he could do to get the wife to open up, but nothing worked. Finally, on the seventh visit, the counselor walked over to her, gave her a kiss on the cheek. She lit up, reached over and hugged her husband and began to tell him all the stresses she'd been going through for the past three months. Then the counselor sat down, looked at her husband and said, Mr. Jones, that kiss represents the kind of treatment your wife needs every day. To which he said, Doc, I can bring her in on Mondays and Wednesdays, but I'm not sure about the rest of the week. <laughs> now, guys, listen. We struggle with this. Oh, do we struggle? Partly because it's innate. Now, ladies don't miss this, but guys, you don't miss this either. There's a book out by John Eldridge, and he talks about God's creation of a man. He goes back and talks about in the garden what God prescribed him to do. And you need to know, okay, we're gatherers. We're hunters. We're providers. Hence why we do what we do. So there's, I, I, I say it's sort of hypocritical, but it's really not because what we're doing in dating is very innate. We understand what bait to put on the hook because it's in us. We see someone we like, we see that and go, I want that. That's a beautiful thing. The problem is, is when we get married, we tend to put them up above the mantle and then go, okay, now what do I need to go hunt and gather and get? 
That's why we need God's help. I share with you before that when Kay and I were dating, she'll remember this well. She's not a morning riser. I am. So I would get up and every day I would take and I'd put a love card on her windshield of her car. And she'd get in her car and she'd see the card and guess what stopped happening after we got married? Partially it's innate, but that doesn't make it right. I needed to keep doing that. There's needs that she needs fulfilled that require and that's one of her love languages and ladies the same is true and I'm only highlighting one thing there's multiple things but what happens in marriage when there's a disagreement men tend to be when it comes visual in a sense and intimacy seems to be very strong to them and what happens in marriage is the wife tends to put the problem together with intimacy And sort of a way of punishment is that she withholds and fails to understand that the two shouldn't be connected. Let me show you a verse in the Bible. The man should fulfill, watch this, the man should fulfill his duty as a husband and the woman should fulfill her duty as a wife and each should satisfy the other's needs. The other's needs. This is a skill we can learn, people, but we need God because we live in a selfish world and selfishness hurts marriages. It just destroys marriages. In fact, listen to this. 80% of marital problems, I believe with all my heart, 80% of marital problems would be solved if we could just learn to live by this one verse in Philippians. Look out for each other's interest, not just your own. 80% of marital problems. Look out for each other's interest. Isn't that what Jesus said? No greater love that you'd lay down your life, your wants, your wills, all of that. Don't start with you, start with them. That's what makes a marriage. But we're going to need God's help. We're going to need God's help. Because we just said, focus seems to shift, doesn't it? We're always going, what can I do for you? How can I please you? It's called dating. Afterwards, we're like, get it yourself. That's got to stop. It's like the man and woman who they'd never met. They'd never met. They both got on a train and found themselves having to sleep in the same sleeping car on the train. You can imagine the initial embarrassment. But both managed to figure it out because there were bunk beds, top and bottom. And so she jumped up for the night and she was at the top and he was on the lower bunk. They're off to sleep. In the middle of the night, the woman leaned over and she said, sir, I'm I'm sorry to bother you, but I'm awfully cold and I was just wondering if you could possibly pass me another blanket. The man responded with a little glint in his eye and he said, I got a better idea. Let's pretend we're married. She giggled and said, why not? He said, get it yourself. That happens more than it should, doesn't it? And I fear that's become the norm. And you know why? Because we live in a culture that says, look out for number one. Have it your way. What's in the best interest of me? The problem with that, people, is 
God's world is the complete opposite of that. And I fear that we've brought culture into marriage and why we need a power so we can fulfill, fulfill our needs of our spouse. And you know what Paul writes in Philippians 2? God, who is at work within you, will give you the power to achieve his purpose. He wants to give it. That's why James says he'll do it generously. But you cannot lean on your understanding why we need the word of God, Yahweh, because marriage will not grow your way. Amen to that? Here's number three. In the pain of yesterday's mistakes, in the pain of yesterday's mistakes, God will give us the power to forgive our spouse's mistakes. In the pain of yesterday's mistakes, I'm not minimizing that. God wants to give us the power so we will forgive our spouse's mistakes. Now, I don't know if you've discovered this, but I'm going to give them to you. There are two laws of reality in every marriage. Did you know that? Absolutely two fundamental laws. Here's the first one. You married an imperfect person. Do you understand that? Here's the second law. You're not so hot yourself. <laughs> so get over you and get under God. This will hurt, but I got to tell you this. When you can't forgive another, you're declaring that you're greater than Christ. You, you can get mad at me. You can do whatever you want with it. I'm, I'm no longer, I have no problem being the fire of your shot. The only problem is what I just told you is true. Because the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the only reason if you're saved in this room is because of the power of that cross. That's why I always say, stay at the cross and you'll stop being cross. I hear it over and over, people. That's why we share with you over and over when two imperfect people, which we both are, get married, you're going to hurt each other. It's inevitable. That's why last week we said no one can complete you except Christ. I mean, think about this and consider this. That God actually made your spouse the way they are. He's allowed things to happen painfully so your marriage can show to the world what unconditional love looks like. And you're missing the witness because you're holding on to things unnecessarily and wrongly. See, when your spouse makes a mistake, you have one or two options. Rub it in or rub it out. By the way, both of them have eternal consequence. Which one do you think is God's way? You can bury your marriage with a lot of little digs, people. I know some of you might be thinking, but you don't know what they did. I'm not discrediting that. I'm not discounting that. I just don't want you to miss what I'm about to say. No one will ever disappoint you more than you've already disappointed God. 
What I'm getting at is God hates sin. But he who knew no sin became your sin so you could be the righteousness of God. There's no sin that's ever been done to you that is greater than the gift that Jesus gave us. Father, forgive him. Father, forgive him. And it is finished. You're loved by an almighty God who wants to give you a power so you can love like almighty God. Amen to that? That's why this is so important. The power of what Jesus can do. I like what Ruth Graham used to always say. The former wife would say, both of them are now in heaven and glory, but Ruth was the wife of Billy Graham. She'd always say this, a happy marriage is the union of two great forgivers. I like that. Isn't that good? That's why we need God's power. So maybe here's the best place to end today. Because just maybe the real problem of why you're having a hard time forgiving is because you didn't or don't really feel forgiven yourself. A battery can't put out what it does not have and why our vision is meet Jesus because he changes everything, right? When you watch what Jesus can do, he wants to give you the power when all of a sudden those differences arise. When needs be, need to be met and forgiveness needs to happen, he wants to give you that power. That's why I read to you again, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him, believe in him. The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in those heavenly realms. He is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, anything you've ever gone through. He's bigger, greater, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ as and made him head over all the things that benefit his wife. And the church is his wife, his body. It is made full and complete by him, Jesus, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Amen to that? It's a moment of decision. But I want to do something. This July, my wife and I have been married 34 years. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Trust me when I say we're different. <laughs> oh my goodness. Those unexpected differences. There's been unbelievable moments of selfishness on my part, unmet needs. Oh, and trust me, we've made mistakes. Selfishly, maliciously, I could say, mistakes. But here we are almost 34 years later only because there is a God, a good, good God who wants to give you power like never before. Because of that, years ago, a few years ago, there's a song out by Ed Sheeran and it, it just, every time I hear it, I cry. And so I went back through all of the pictures that her and I have shared and I pulled some that are so dear to me and I put it on my phone to a little video to that song that you can do. It's really easy on your phone. And you're wondering why would I do that? 
because I travel a lot. And when I travel, the first thing I do when I get on the plane, very first thing I do every time when I'm alone, I put my headphones on and I press play. And I remind myself that my travels today are much bigger than just me. I have something of every decision that needs to be made and I'm living for something in a moment that she's not with me, but oh, she's with me. Now, I'm not gonna do the Ed Sheeran song. I wanna take it back to a song way back early in my life. But I'm gonna let you see the video as I play this out. And I hope it is more than, it's not just us, but it will resonate with you with where you're at. You have a moment to sit and watch, but if you're sitting next to your spouse, you can shed yourself with the power of God and reach over and maybe take their hand. Because it all comes back to Christ and every one of those are decisions in time.
And I love you more than all those early years Cause this kind of love, it don't come easy Can't you see? It takes some time, you gotta build it gradually all of our relationships, but especially in our marriage, the answer is always, because of what Jesus did for me, I choose to blank. Because of what Jesus did for me, I choose to love. Because of what Jesus did for me, I choose to forgive. Because of what Jesus did for me, I choose to serve. Goes on and on. So it's appropriate that we take time for communion. Because it's all about what Jesus did for us. It's never about us. Paul says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Go ahead and drink. Jesus, it's all about you. And when you came and when you died for our sins, you now gave us an example of every aspect of our lives and of our marriages. And it's because of you, we choose to be you to other people. And that starts in our marriage, starts in our homes. And maybe for some of you right now, you have never made that decision that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. You might have gone to church and you might have believed in Jesus, but you've never given him control of your life totally. This is that moment. It's a simple prayer in your heart that says, Dear Jesus, it's all yours. I give you my life, and I choose to follow you. God, I pray that today that everywhere we go, every person we meet might know you because of the way that we choose to be you today. So God, thank you for these words. God, I pray that they would go with us now and forever. And all God's people say. Well, thanks again for listening. 
To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.